0: And more than 33% said that they would quit if they were forced to go to the office full-time, which I just think is like, that's a sign of how we've changed. Like we've had to adapt for a year and a half and now you want us to change our habits that we've gotten used to.
1: We back again. We <laughs> back again. You know we gotta start each episode with some hypeness to with it. The hype. We got It's one of these days, and and I've been saying this for the last year because we haven't actually been able to sound get the soundboard or anything. We gotta get the soundboard going. We gotta start every, yeah, every yeah. a new sound, some hype sounds. Sound like amigos out here with their uh, the and stuff. So
0: everyone listening. Everyone listening, we're almost going to be in a studio. We promise you. Once we're in there, we got to figure out this soundboard. Get Christian, our producer, to hook it up. Yeah, we I need to drop some bombs. You know what I'm saying? Yes, just sir. Yes, sir. Bombs. It's, isn't it exciting? Like, <laughs> I, Ballack, man.
1: Well, I, I was just going to say, like, episode it, 20. We're, we're we're in episode 20 right now. We've done so many episodes during the pandemic, and I'm so excited yeah. to be back into a physical space recording. I feel like generally things feel kind of back to normal and it's going to be interesting listening to each one of these podcasts over the last year and a bit. And like now we're at the point where we're like, okay, now we're saying it's like shit's actually kind of starting to get uh, a lot better. You know, Ontario's opened up. You know, we're able to go to the movies. We're able to like, I don't know, get our, get our lives back to normal, you know? And, And I'm super grateful that my family and all my friends have stayed healthy I'm even more grateful that, um, you know, we can get back to our normal lives uh, and, and all this stuff here, too. So uh, what have you been up to? Like, it, it's been a couple Do you of- feel that? Do you feel that sense of
0: like, do you feel that sense of normalcy? Do you feel like hmm. uh,
1: it's whatever you just walk to the theaters, you're good? I mean, like, I'm not like I say that, but like, I'm not really a big movie guy. So like, I'm not I'm not really rushing into the movies too much. Um, but I, what I would say is substitute it's like, that for anything that's indoors yeah. though. Well, I, I feel like it's nice. And, and I feel like things are kind of getting to a point where like I'm double vaccinated. All my friends are like, we're able to see each other. Like I went to a cottage last weekend with a bunch of my friends and it was just nice to like be around people and not have to like worry about, Oh, like, where has this person been? You know, I would say that it's, it's not 100% normal yet, but I would say it's getting to the. It's the most normal it's been in a very long time for me. What have you been saying? Hundred percent. Good way to put it. Yeah, man.
0: Ah, it's just chilling, man. Like honestly, being able to just—I'm still obviously wearing my mask, but like being able to hang out with more friends and, dare I say, like a house party or two. But I mean, hey. not you know, not too well. not too no. well. A good good amount of people. Uh, don't send Doug on me, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's actually listening right well, now. That's what—that's what I miss the most, man. Just. Yeah, probably, probably he's tapped in. What's good, Doug? Um, but yeah, man, I'm just excited to just not have those boundaries. Like just be able to go to a comedy special again. Like yeah. I love sitting in on comedy shows and they're not open yet. Like cause some of them took a really big hit during COVID. So I'm trying to see that
1: come back to life. Yeah, um, man. Chose to Fanny. Fanny's, uh, you know, I think she's a two-time guest. On the cast. Fanny, you got to hit us up. We got to go to some shows uh super excited but let's get into the episode we got a bunch of really great topics here for us um i can't believe it's was our 20th episode like we were, we were talking right before this that like man, <laughs> we're probably gonna get like maybe 30 40 out of the season but um our first topic we're here gone is, we're going for it we're going for it yes sir our first topic is uh the tokyo olympics so as we know things were kind of pushed out a year last year because of covid certainly not normal over there right now, just in terms of like the protocol still being a legitimate thing. Um, I'm not as tuned into the, Olympics. man, I
0: don't think they have any fans in the stands, right?
1: No, I don't think so. I think
0: either. it's like, there's no audience, right? Yeah, and, exactly. That's and I
1: think that they're still like very much in the kind of like, not locked down, but like, there's some serious like medical procedures and stuff that uh, need to be abided by every single day that, i not going to say you're getting in the way of it, but I would say that, like, with no fans, like, no, nobody in the stands, like, no one really, like, being there to cheer their country on, like, the same way that there would be in, like, a normal Olympics, I think it would be really hard on the athletes. Don't you think? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why,
1: I don't know, I kind
0: of felt like it could have pushed it a bit further. But I know there's a lot that goes into it, but um, – I was listening to a podcast, my boy, shout out to Kanai, the Unorthodox podcast. He made a good point that I definitely resonated with, where it's like, um, you know, obviously the Olympics brings in so much revenue uh, in terms of like travel and tourism. Yeah. Now, because there is no audience, they're not getting that revenue. So it's like, why not push it even further until they're comfortable actually having people visit Tokyo?
1: Yeah, no, are losing
0: out on so much money, and it costs so much money to, to, to house the Olympics in yeah. your own
1: city. So I wonder what the financials are for that, too. Yeah, you know? Definitely, definitely. But uh, there's an interesting story that's kind of come out, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. I saw a couple of memes on on Instagram. Um, but you remember yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was maybe a month ago, um, there's like a U- U.S. You know, Olympic sprinter – Forgive my ignorance. Anybody who's like a professional in that space and maybe listening to this, like I don't know the true way to define it. She's in a sprinter, let's call it. Shikari Richardson, uh, a black woman who is, <laughs> yeah. a, you know, a, a superstar in you know long and short distance racing, uh, had been kind of disqualified from the Olympics because she had a positive drug test for weed. So she smoked, I think, uh, like a joint or something. Mm-hmm before her drug test or like maybe some time before her drug test um i'm not saying she like pulled up to the drug testing place like smoking it backward but like she got caught essentially with marijuana in her system and i feel like she that's disappointing to see because as you know as a person who would be really into you know sprinting and like you know the olympics it'd be disappointing as like an american to see like the talent that you have get taken away for something as, as little as weed. And I think that like, I totally have the grounds to say that like, it's just weed. You know what I mean? It's not really like a, it's not really like a big deal these days anymore, but the the story.
0: Yeah. It's worth mentioning that this was in LA where it was legal, but it's
1: prohibited for the Olympic athletes. So it's a little bit of a gray area there. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So, um, in the in the last week or so, I've been seeing memes around. Um, it's a U.S. women U.S. women's soccer star, um, Megan Rapinoe, who's always been an advocate for you know uh, progressive rights, you know, um, you know the oppressed, let's call them, um, and has been like a, a big role model and a, and a superstar player for you know Team USA um, when it comes to women's soccer. She was an article was written about her about how she's kind of like helping promote and push the boundaries of like CBD use uh, to help her like sleep and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm not going to get into like the specific details of the articles, but the point that I'm trying to bring up is like I feel yeah, like yeah. it was like a bit of a uh, an interesting contrast that, and one that I think a lot of people online are very frustrated about have been very frustrated about. She is ultimately pushing a marijuana product um, during a time where weeks before this, uh, an Olympic – a black Olympic superstar was taken out for the use of drugs so or for the use of marijuana. So yeah. I want to get your opinion on this. Like how do you kind of see these two worlds sitting together? Do you agree What, what where your head – where's your head at? Yeah, so I'll break it down in terms
0: of what I knew, what I thought before the Megan Rapinoe, I think that's how you say her name, uh, story broke out, where obviously all the Olympic athletes are very familiar with the drug policy. They know that you cannot smoke weed, even though, to be honest, that's such like an old rule at this point. It's still so archaic in 2021 that it should be readjusted and, and removed. But that's not the reality in 2021. It's still a rule in the Olympics that you can't smoke weed. So Shikari Richardson doing that, she, because of all the reasons, whatever it is, she's taken that risk. She knows that I can potentially lose my standing in this competition. She's actually accepted responsibility for it. I think that's all pretty justified. Like you knew you couldn't do this one thing, you did it, and then you got removed from said event. I think now hearing about this Megan Rapinoe situation, it's, it's an issue of, I, I don't think you can necessarily fully compare them because from, I guess, from my understanding, THC gets you high versus CBD, it doesn't. So there are differences in terms of what's accepted through the Olympics. I just think the, the timing of, of that is, is a little off because you have this one person that has just lost their chance, you know, 2021, they're going to have to wait another four years to compete um, at this level. And you're now kind of almost boasting and promoting a marijuana product after seeing them lose their position to a marijuana product as well. Right. So I feel like if anything, Megan Rapinoe probably should have like halted a bit and and waited for the dust to settle before announcing something like this. But I don't think she's in the wrong for promoting a CBD product.
1: I mean, I I think that like it's i I see your point i think it's like it's kind of like twofold i think it's like ultimately like you're right technically she got caught and needs to be you know taken out of the competition based on the rules that they set i think that yeah a good example of like maybe the rules should be reevaluated a little bit and like why are we like why aren't we challenging this in 2020 like i would argue that like cbd would probably give you a more of an advantage than THC. Like if you're smoking and <laughs> sure. you high from it, like that lasts, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe. But if you're taking CBD, that's like in your system and everything too. Right. So I feel like, yeah, yeah, it's a weird, like it's a weird rule because like technically she did get caught and she was penalized for it for sure. But at the same time, like I think like a big, a big sticking point for me is like, as an advocate for black people, as an advocate for progressive rights and change and all this kind of stuff, someone who's been that kind of role model, especially for, for young girls. Um, and even just a role model for the United States, someone who you think that like represents exactly what the state should be is, you know, can't, can't see that like, damn, you have a responsibility kind of as, or you have like a place in the world as like a white woman where ultimately like, this is this is just some kind of bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was hard for me not to see the meme and be like, okay, like here we go again. You know what I mean? And it's like, sure, we can clarify the CBD versus THC thing, like whatever. We can argue about those like little details. But I think ultimately in the end of the day, they both took a marijuana product and one person is getting penalized in the media and on social media, and the other person is getting praised in the media which I think for like growing it and like growing that space and making it more normal, which is like something to me like has been a consistent theme, like in traditions such as the Olympics that have, I would say historically probably kept some people out yeah, yeah. or like made rules to keep certain people out. I don't know. I felt a little bit uneasy about that one.
0: Who's she getting praise from? Like, is this from the Olympics? No, or is it's, this just it's from, from regular people.
1: It's from the media.
0: Like, oh, okay, interesting.
1: Yeah. So right, there's right. this one article, like it's just like this tone deaf, like back to back kind of face to face. Yeah. Yeah. The contrast before, where I was just like this, this doesn't make any sense. So it's like, you know, I think it's worth the conversation. It's worth pushing the boundaries a little bit. Definitely worth the conversation. And it's just like, it's not like she was taking steroids or anything like that. Like it's just weed. You know what I mean? It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that much, but Yeah. I see this as being the catalyst
0: for change in, in that rule. Um, I even see, saw like a petition where almost like a million people were signing it for Shikari Richardson to still run. I knew that obviously wouldn't go anywhere because, you know, yeah. the Olympics are probably going to stand by their decision. But I feel like this will be reassessed in years to come because yeah. of this situation. Totally agree. One. I could yeah. be wrong, but we'll see.
1: Well, time will tell. Mm-hmm. We'll see what the next four years looks like. But I don't know. The Olympics... Not as tuned in this year, but let's move on to the next topic. Definitely. Um, So, uh, you know, we've
0: talked about Burger King in many episodes before (laughs) just in terms of (laughs) just not even the food, obviously, just in terms of the ads that, you know, they put out, whether they're they're always very, you know, interruptive, thumb stopping, sometimes edgy. And they win quite a lot of awards, Can whatever festival, whatever kind of you know, advertising recognition, Burger King is pretty well celebrated in the ad industry, I would say, whether we agree or not on the effectiveness of the ads. But right. I saw something on LinkedIn recently where um, I guess it was an article or a commentary on recent executives departing from Burger King. So I think it was a CMO. I think they've had two CMOs in a very short amount of time, as well as presidents. And it kind of sparks that conversation about You know, if Burger King's doing so well, why are these top executives leaving? If Burger King's winning all of these ads, why are, um, you know, do those ads actually bring bring business in? Or is it just they're making these dynamic, thumb-stopping, quote-unquote, ads that don't actually translate to sales? When at the end of the day, as an executive, your job is to increase sales, not to make award-winning ads. So yeah. Just that that commentary that I was kind of curious to get your thoughts on, um, just but, that whole situation in general,
1: really. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's symbolic more than anything else. Like, I think that like there is like we we talk about like advertising for advertisers a lot on this podcast, right? Yeah, and I think that like right. what we need to do is like evaluate this situation as for what it is. We have an executive from Burger King stepping down because. They're not really driving the same sales that they need to and they need to pivot in a new direction is what I'm understanding from this headline. And I think it's it's like a refreshing breath. It's a breath of fresh air for me to see this because it's like ultimately as a job as a marketer is you have to like sales is your number one priority. And then engagement, awareness, all that kind of stuff is kind of like outside of that in that realm as well. And Burger King has just been, like, in the last year or even a couple years, has just been, like, so incredibly obnoxious in that space where it's, like, they're making the headlines. Like, remember the International Women's Day post that they made? And it was just, like – Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was, like, this is, like – this is stupid. Like, it's a headline. It caught the attention. It went viral because – for the wrong reasons. Like, the the other advertisements they do, they say, like, like one of them was, like, during the pandemic was, like – buy a Big Mac because you know supporting your competitors and supporting local businesses is what matters in a time like this. Like you're not doing that to actually like you know change the reputation of, your, or you're trying to do that to change the reputation of yourself and show yourself to the public as someone who, as a brand that has a you know some type of you know personality and wants to help and do this and do and be edgy and stuff like that. I can't believe they they called out their competitor like that like that kind of stuff but i'm like show me the numbers show me show me where this works and the only number that i need to see to to reinforce that shit like this doesn't work and advertising for advertisers is really annoying and obnoxious and can often go so is the one ceo or the one executive that had to step down because he you know couldn't get the job done you know what i mean is that fair to say hundred percent. I think uh, we've talked about that before, like
0: the concept of advertising for advertisers, right? Like we, I wouldn't even say we, but I think, you know, you look at an ad week post, reposting a Burger King ad and everyone's just gushing in the comments about how amazing this is and how dynamic it is. But you go to a Burger King and it's a dirty experience. It's yeah. like I mean, sorry to be mean, but it's like, when's the last time you walked into Burger King and it felt clean and fresh and new? And what's that in-store experience like versus a McDonald's where it does start to feel, you know, a lot cleaner. A Wendy's where there are new designs for the in-store experience. And Burger King just has always felt like it didn't match their advertising. It's like you're putting all your money in this one place, but... What's that in store experience like? You know what I'm saying? And that's a big element for your sales. So yeah. it's it's that it's uh it kind of reminds me of um <laughs> reminds me of the no frills ads from that we were talking about where you have this two million dollar crazy anime ad that's like insane, really highlighting what the store looks like. And then you go in person, and there's like crackheads <laughs> yeah. and no frills and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: so true, man. Shout out, shout out to No Frills, my bad, my bad. <laughs> shout out to no Frills can't be beat, but it's funny though, like, it's, it's exactly <laughs> what you just said, man. And like, I think that like advertising for advertisers is a way for agencies to like make money to like try and appear to stay relevant. I totally understand that, I totally respect that style of business. Do I think it's outdated a little bit in that regard? 100%. But I also feel that, like, you know, there's, there, you got to look at situations where, like, you evaluate your what product you're offering versus, you know, what, uh, like what you're actually saying and communicating. Like, I've always had like an issue with like brands, and like this is a little bit of a side tangent, but like, I would say like like companies that always say like a lot of Tim Hortons ads right now are like. Oh, it's like fresh, 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 fresh. And like they're like po- like just like spamming that, spamming that in my face. And I'm just like, wow. it's not fresh, man. Like just because you say it is doesn't mean it actually is. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that what you said about like the, the in-store experience and like the food that you get from Burger King, like since I was a kid, like I didn't like, – I don't really eat at Burger King that much. But like I've always thought of Burger King as being like kind of like a grimy, like your typical like – shitty burger joint where it's, like, yeah. <laughs> like, flies flying around in the back and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's, like, you know, and when I look at cases like this, it's, like, listen, like, you have to point your your vision a little bit more in the direction of, like, driving business, and I think that starts, to your point, in-store, making sure that, like, at least the perception of your product is quality based on the physical brick-and-mortar environment. Don't even get me started on, like, how the in-store experience is going to change drastically because I think that people are ordering delivery more like through Uber and like other respective apps. I think that will ultimately hurt Burger King's perception. But I think that to your point, the in-store experience can help dictate for me whether or not how good I think the food is the same way that if I go to the store and I see like Folgers coffee and then another coffee brand that's like in this like nice, sleek, black, elegant (laughs) packaging, that to me looks a little bit more elevated and it could be the yeah. exact same coffee inside, but that's just a game that like advertisers, marketers kind of have to play and, and understand the true balance of that, of that system before you go a little bit too far and then end up having quit your yes. job because see you later. I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the job that I'm paid probably a million dollars to do. Honestly. Yeah. It all
0: has to work together, it has to be cohesive. And I think the strongest marketers would recognize that and not just you know hate to say this but like put makeup on a pig right you know (laughs) like you think that you can just ignore the in-store experience and whatever that's like and you're not going to even focus on that the ad is going to be so good and so funny and so dynamic we're going to have celebrities in it it's going to win us awards and somehow that's going to translate to more sales we'll figure that out after but let's really work on this amazing <laughs> it's amazing yeah. ad and it's like nah fam it's not how that works yeah. like i don't look at a crazy good burger king billboard and then just go oh my god i gotta go in the store right now and buy yeah. that burger it's just that's wow. not how it usually works you know facts
1: bro and i feel like you know how how stupid do they look that they like approved an ad that was like oh go shop elsewhere or go like do like go to McDonald's and buy a big Mac, but, like, headline advertising they probably spent a decent chunk of money on to get out there in the in the environment, real world. Well. Yeah. And now you know the numbers don't back that up. It's like shit, people actually did do that. And now they're like earning. You know? <laughs> Our favorite thing to
0: do on this podcast is dunk on Burger King and dunk on LinkedIn. Those are just
1: the t- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's so jokes. That is just <laughs> so incredibly funny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's
0: move on on this one. Um. So I was seeing this article about the dilemma of kind of returning to the office. So obviously, most people are, not most people, but a lot of people are vaccinated. So offices are starting to reopen, especially in the states where managers are saying, yo, it's safe now. Come in. Come back in. Mandatory. You got to be in for at least three days or whatever it is. Um, And this company put out this survey of about 2,700 office workers across nine different countries, and more than 33% said that they would quit if they were forced to go to the office full time, Um, which I just think is like, that's a sign of how we've changed. Like, we've had to adapt for a year and a half, and now you want us to change our habits that we've gotten used to change the time that we wake up and the amount of time we can spend with our kids or in our, you know, our leisure activities and now go back to that process that we didn't like before. So it's like, have companies not learned to adapt to that shift? And like, how do you feel about if you had to work five days a week in an office?
1: Well, you know, I think, I think most, most sensible companies, uh, not We'll either come up with a flex plan or like a, you know, return to office. Like, you know, he, you don't have to come back to the office at all. Like I know for a fact that like, uh, yeah. for people's sun life, uh, they basically announced that like, I think that they're hundred percent, like you have the option of choosing if you want to even work in the office or not, which I think is like a real, yeah. a very smart move to say like, listen, like if you're a, if you're an office and you're a, like a a company that doesn't necessarily require you to be in a physical space, then I think that you have to offer that as an option. Like I don't necessarily have that same option, but like things that they're talking about in my work are like flex plans. Like you can work, maybe come into the office like two or three days of the week. And then everything else is kind of like work from home type situation, which I think I can definitely get on board for. I think it'll be an interesting shift and change. But like I, I think that, like, uh, you, what you'll see is, like, a lot of companies kind of, like, jumping in, like, saying that, like, we're being progressive and we're now, like, offering 100% work from home as a way to, like, spin it to see, that like, oh, they're actually yeah. doing, like, such a great thing. And, like, the first couple of companies that, that do that are going to be, like, praised very hard and have been praised very hard versus, like, them being, like, nice, I just got out of a lease in, like, a downtown Toronto, like, you know, office building and pretty the, much, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not a yeah, thing yeah. either. Like, I think it does make sense, but I think that like, if, yeah. if you're, if you're, if you're in a position where you need to physically go in somewhere or, or attend a meeting or whatever it is, then like, I think that like comes with the job. I think where things are going to get very weird is when, You know, what are what are vaccine policies going to look like and how will companies enforce those? Like, I would say that that's a bigger, more serious thing than a company that is just offering like a flex plan or is, you know, offering, a, a, you know, their employees to be able to work from home the entire, you know, for the rest of their their employment there. What do you think? I kind of wonder, should we push things a bit more?
0: Because it's like. Okay. Yeah, uh, some companies might say, "Yeah, you need that client interaction in person, and we need to, you know, have a few days in the office for culture reasons or whatever it is." But we just prove that we don't. Like we, we actually don't. Why? Why do I even need to come in for a few days if I don't want to? Like yeah. I've been functioning from home so can we have like i would want to have that conversation with a company if they were to tell me that i need to come in for three to four days i would be like was there something wrong with my performance when i was at home for five days if yeah, there yeah. is then we can have that conversation if there isn't then let me decide what i want to do you know yeah. so well it's- uh, i'd probably quit if a company told me i had to work five days a week in, in office i'd be like
1: nah, no i'm not doing that it doesn't make sense man for a lot of, for a lot of lines of business and i also feel that like office culture was like cr- like created and cultivated because to make the working experience in the office more enjoyable right or yeah, like yeah. you know bearable because you're spending a lot of your time there especially in advertising agencies you know what i mean we create mm-hmm. these like company cultures and whatever because we want work to be fun we want people to show up and feel like good about going to work but when you strip that away when you strip up like an actual office setting it just gets down to the bare bones of the actual job itself and if the actual job itself isn't something that you like then you know the company culture shouldn't be keeping you there right because you should be looking for something that maybe you find a little bit more enjoyable or you're more comfortable doing or something like that so i i think that like creating like like your office culture uh, as a means to keep people there is like i think being exposed a little bit right now and like you can't you can't force people to come back to like build that up again and you can't force people to go back especially if they don't have to and there's no reason to your point like you work uh, as a designer and you don't need to go in somewhere like sure sometimes it might be more convenient to like (laughs) talk to someone face-to-face but like ultimately i think that like we've done a pretty pretty decent job of like you know keeping things in the realm of like you know working for you know working from home environment and like why shouldn't we do that yeah
0: what do you what do you think of companies that uh would require you to take the vaccine to come back in the office. Do you think they're warranted? This is for regular office jobs, meaning you're not an essential worker. So you're not working with immunocompromised people. You know what I mean? Just a regular are, agency job or anything like that. You think it's fair? Uh,
1: to, like, enforce a policy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my own personal beliefs are that, like, I'm more comfortable working in an environment and being around people who are vaccinated than if they choose not to or if they if they aren't. I think I think eligibility I think I don't know. I I wouldn't want to like I think implicitly it's like everybody knows like you gotta get your vaccines and you gotta like be good if you want to work here like normally. Yeah. But if you're in a situation where you're like well, I don't know if this person's vaccinated and, like, do I feel comfortable? Like, am, is that person going to wear a mask or are we all wearing masks because, like, there's one person in there who maybe not be vaccinated? Like, I'm a firm believer in that, like, I don't know what the right answer is because, like, I think that gets you into, like, really tricky territory, like, ethically around certain things. But if yeah. ultimately if you Definitely. have, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a – if you have the option and you have the access to be able to get a vaccine and you choose not to – then I don't see the reason why you should be able to have like the same access to everything else as people who are, you know what I mean? And like, I don't think that that's too overtly radical. Mm, Interesting. I say, just go do it. Like, it's like, it's, it's something you can do. Like, I think that like, again, like the ethics part of it, like making sure people have proper access, all that kind of stuff is like something that you have to set up or as a company offer vaccines to people so that like, You know, or offer like to to book vaccine appointments for people. So that yeah,
0: I mean, at this point, if if we're talking about North America, like access is not an issue, right? Right. If you want a vaccine at this point, you should be able to get it. Yeah, no matter where you are in North America, hundred percent. I think I think it's it's tricky because I was seeing a story about France. The the prime minister in France was saying people are going to need vaccine passports in order to use public transit or go to coffee shops and libraries and things like that, Or if you don't have a vaccine, you're not going to be able to use some of those services, or you might have to use them at different times and things like that. And it sparked a whole lot of controversy because I'm vaccinated and I believe that you should be. However, I can't force you to take a vaccine if for some reason you don't trust it. You know, we're all taking a risk with anything we do in a sense. Like, yeah. obviously, they say that there are no complications with the vaccine, but who knows 10 years from now what might happen? Like, there's just certain unknowns, but taking a risk for the greater good. There are some people that don't want to take that risk. They can have whatever reason they want to. And I don't know if it's fair for us to force them in order to exist within society again, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's an important. Almost impossible question for me to answer. I just think of like people like, oh, like 100%. Homeless, yeah, yeah like, like homeless people or something like that, like people who don't yeah. have health cards or, you know, have access to like public services and that, like, I mean, like public transit and like, you know, grocery stores and stuff like that and like coffee shops are like places mm-hmm. where a lot of homeless people aren't able, like, are able to just like exist for a limited time in a normal kind of capacity. And if we're if we're banning people, those people from places where they like they physically can't get a vaccine because they don't have like documentation or whatever it is or lost documentation, yeah. I don't know. I think that makes it very difficult. I think it's like very controversial in that regard because it's a privilege ultimately Definitely. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. But I would say that like yeah, I mean, I'm if you if you have access and you can get it, you should get it. Like it's a no brainer for me but i think that like Mm -hmm. getting back to the original question is like you know can companies enforce this like i don't think that you can but like i think it'll be a really interesting next couple months to see what that looks like (laughs) what that looks like in that regard i'm I'm interested to see how this is going to play out definitely um and obviously we'll be there every week
0: commenting on you know the updates (laughs) yeah yeah that's how we do it all right yo let's let's keep moving forward um something that was interesting you know we've always roasted okay so we roast burger king we roast linkedin and we roast stories that's the third thing that i forgot to mention yeah and twitter just put an end to their stories they call them fleets for whatever reason i guess um and they, <laughs> they put an end to the stories after a few months due to lack of interest, which is what was cited, right? And I don't know. I saw this and I was like, okay, I figured that would happen because no one watches stories. That's pretty obvious. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of respect that they put that out themselves. And they just said, yo, we tried this thing. We had ambitions about it. It didn't work. We're going to pivot, try something new. Thanks for sticking with us. And I'm like... I wish more companies would do that.
1: You know? Yeah, man. What do you I'm, think I'm, about? It? I'm ready <laughs> like. Hey, we're gonna try something. If it doesn't work, you know, we're gonna get critique for it either way, probably by us. So like, yeah, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like whatever. Like, I think transparency in that regard makes a lot of sense. It's like, you know, you're trying to you're innovating or like trying to innovate your platform to incorporate something that has seen success on other platforms that may be more native to stuff like that. However, like didn't work. Just be honest, just be open and honest and like companies try stuff and companies fail all the time. And like, to your point, I'm glad yeah. to see that they did that. Cause like stories are like, i see enough of that shit, man.
0: Guess, guess the latest company. I, I intentionally didn't include it in the notes, but guess the latest app that has introduced stories. Just uh, take a wild guess. Any app, really. Uh,
1: Clubhouse. Clubhouse. <laughs> nah, man. Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> why? Like, why, bro? Like, what? Like, what am I going to post? What am I going to post? <laughs> dude. dude. Because, so, the, so the, the restaurant
0: will post like a story of, I guess, what's happening in the restaurant or something like that. But here's my thing: it's like, where's the insight there? Like, as a user of trying to find a restaurant, trying to find food, am I more likely to buy a burger at this location because the story looks interesting? Hell no, man! I'm just uh, like... <laughs>
1: like, what is the thought process behind that? Because I don't like, I need. To... <laughs> You guys have, like, the smartest, like, user experience people on the planet working for Uber. Yeah. And, like, you're telling me that you're going to add, like, stories to I don't know, bro. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you know, it's like the Uber driver, like, the guy who's, like, riding the bike or whatever. He's, like, taking the pictures. He's like, I'm on my way to throw food. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's like damn, let's well, stop no, I'm, I'm dying. Going.
0: Holy shit. Give me some like McDonald's, okay? Like, Jesus. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hurry up. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, bro. but you know what? It, it, that's pretty jokes. They're trying something. We'll see in three months when they say, Hey, sorry guys. This, uh, this didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man. Um, we have, uh, we have one more topic to kind of close at home. This one is just, I mean, I'm very curious what, what your thoughts are on it, but billionaires exploring space travel. So, We have Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson. They're the most recent kind of billionaires to actually execute space missions. Uh, So I think they did them within three weeks apart, two separate uh, groups and and things like that. But they offered like rides to customers willing to pay like $28 million, I think, for one of the seats on the rocket ship, whatever you would call it, which is just insane. There was an 18-year-old that was able to go and I'm just like, Goddamn. Um, But a bit more on that. So Richard Branson was saying he plans to democratize space travel and make it more accessible over the years. So by doing more missions like this, eventually the regular person will be able to travel to space, which I call major cap on for a very (laughs) long time. But... (laughs) (laughs) his quote here was imagine a world where people of all ages all backgrounds from anywhere any gender or any ethnicity have equal access to space and they will in turn i think inspire us back here on earth very aspirational for a billionaire with all the privilege in the world yeah but let's be real man me and you are we going to space in 10 years is it going to be accessible it cost twenty eight million dollars in in twenty twenty one? What do you think it's gonna be in twenty
1: thirty? You know what I'm saying? Yeah so. I mean I, I don't know how I feel about this. Like I saw it like online quite a bit, like people were talking about it. Uh, yeah. people were obviously pissed because they're like, Oh, this yeah. money should be used for like other things. But it's also like it's another like hard question because it's like, how do you tell someone else what to do with their money? I don't know. Like yeah. is that like a is that like a fair thing for me to do? Like I think that like when you have that type of wealth and that type of like celebrity status, I think inherently like you should be in a position where you're like giving back or like you know, helping people. Like I saw something like the yeah. trip Jeff Bezos took or whatever, cost X amount of millions of dollars. And that could that could like wipe out statistically like uh, homelessness in America or, like, hunger in America or something like that. Sure. But like, yeah. When you look at the numbers behind that, it's yeah. like, you know, do we really need to go to space when there are people on Earth, like, starving? I don't think so. I think there's bigger things. I think the point of, like, that Richard Branson made where he's, like, imagine a world where everyone can go to space, blah, blah, blah. I think that there's some kind of merit to that. Like, to your point, like I think that's Cap. But, like, I would say that, like, there, if you look at yeah the the progression of let's say like getting a car or taking the train or getting on a flight or something like has always started out as like rich person's you know mode of enter or um transportation which i think like will ultimately be true to this if we just look at history and how that's kind of like come about but i would say that like yeah. I don't know. These guys represent Richard Branson, I feel like has a, a little bit of a better of a reputation because I feel like he's actually kind of a decent dude. I don't know him personally, obviously, but I'd say he has a, a better mm-hmm. reputation than, than Jeff Bezos who exploits his workers and like, you know, he's is, is like a millionaire. Right he seems yeah. kind of arrogant or like I saw the press conference or whatever. He's like, This was paid by all Amazon employees, like, thank you guys. You know what I mean? When there's like probably some kid like, and <laughs> like putting together a bunch of shit, like you know what I mean? And getting underpaid. Like, I feel like it's just like, okay, now you're just like taunting people. Yeah. And like, is that who you want to be? Like, if so, like, sure, like, do you, but just be a person about it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm no, like, I'm no expert
0: in this space. I'm not an economist by any means, right? But it's like, what are we doing there? <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is we have all these. <laughs> <laughs> We have all these issues on planet Earth right now. Where, you know, obviously poverty issues, there's issues in the environment, and it's almost like we're saying the earth is fucked up and we can't fix it. So let's like try again somewhere else. Yeah, let's do these are the early stages for us to eventually be able to get there. But it's like, why not take that money and that interest and all of that investment and resources and use it on the earth we have now to fix whatever we possibly can i know it's gone to shit but like i don't think the answer is to just start over somewhere else and repeat that process i get it you're a billionaire it's shiny you have access you can do this but i don't know man it's just like during this time where especially we're recovering a bit from a pandemic people are still dying people are losing their jobs poverty is like at an all-time high for you to just like flex your space travels right now is like just do it yeah. just do it quietly like just go on your own like don't even push this in front
1: of all of us like we don't need
0: this right now you know
1: yeah yeah like the rest of the earth doesn't need to really see this right now like just text it in your like billionaires group chat or something like that and just like to, like live our our lives you know what i mean i don't know i feel like uh i feel like that just needs to happen but i don't know i feel like it's it's just like a, a a waste of resources I would say but it's different if it's like the government spending versus like somebody like just like spending their own money kind of thing because it's like then it's like damn why is our government spending money on this shit but like I don't know yeah yeah you know. It is what it is, man. I mean, hey, if uh, if Jeff Bezos
0: slides in your email and says, hey, do you want to go on my next uh, space mission? <laughs> yeah, i would be like, yeah, but keep it on the low. Like, don't yeah. don't post any pictures. Yeah, I'm yeah, don't, to,
1: don't you know? read story this one. I don't want to be in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Episode 20, Malik. Episode 20, it. baby. We over here.
1: We over here. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, again, if you have any – comments suggestions you want to get in touch you know how to reach us uh hit us up on instagram uh email us you know get in contact uh we love the people who tune into this podcast so uh we want to keep producing content for everybody here like doc was saying before we're gonna get in the studio real soon super excited about it uh we're hopefully gonna have some more content kind of built around the podcast and everything too which will be a lot of fun um and yeah we uh you know we can't wait Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Peace.